Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Football is back, and so is Cash the Ticket. Jim Costa with Mike Valeni every week this fall. That's picks, parlays, and that's sweet, sweet value. Cactus included on all the NFL and college football matchups. Full breakdowns on the biggest games, but if you have a life, you don't have 45 minutes to spare, we've got you. We're the most on-demand podcast. We're catered to you and the teams you love. That's Cash the Ticket. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Look at this guy. Rich Campbell was there in his hometown, his new hometown of Indianapolis, to uh, to take in that game, and he's going to set the scene for us. Welcome, Rich. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I, I was uh, in Section 102 there at Lucas Oil <laughs> Stadium yesterday for the thrilling conclusion of the Texans and Colts season. I The pennant I had, the little pennant, just said NFL draft on it because you know <laughs> what the stakes were. I was thinking of you guys in Chicago understanding that if the Texans happened to, to jump up and snatch that win – against a Colts team with an equal incentive to lose, then maybe the Bears would fall into that number one pick. So you guys have a, a, quite an offseason to cover up there as the Bears contemplate trading out. But to be there for the Colts and Texans to, to sort out that tankathon was really something. Rich, you and I have talked uh, offline, obviously, over the years about what an offseason is like. You know, the three of the last four years, the Bears haven't even had a first round pick, much less a top 10 pick, much less the number one overall pick. There's been years in free agency where you're just kind of trying to figure out, you know, which Bobby Massey or Taylor Gabriel or Alan Robinson <laughs> are, are you going to wind up with, you know, when they come to the podium. This is a different different animal for us in 2023. Uh, but but go back to, to Sunday and, and t- tell us kind of what the mood was like in that building for a game that uh, was pairing two completely dysfunctional teams that were trying to figure out who could come, come unraveled the most, the fastest. Well, yeah, well, well, you said it. I mean, all of us over the years have covered our share of meaning, meaningless week 17, week 18 finales where you just go through the motions and, and everyone shows up and puts on their NFL jersey and helmet, but <laughs> you, you just find it's so hollow, right? And that's that's exactly the feeling that it was. But I got to take my son. This is my son. is, is almost five years old. And, uh, you know, when a game of, of such magnitude comes across and tickets are available, you might be able to, to get him in for a first game and – uh, he ended up staying the whole time, so we got to see the end. Uh, the, the, the sort of the the dullness, right? There's no juice on third down, even <laughs> downs like the the noisemakers go off, and you kind of say, "Yeah." And, and but as the game went on, guys, you, tanking is is this is this concept, and, and you always consider it with these types of seasons. But you're getting into this game, and you're like. Okay, both teams have three turnovers in this game. The Colts turned the ball over on their first touch of the game. Both teams returned interceptions for touchdowns. I mean, it, it became almost comedic. And the Colts were trailing for so long, they have their problems of their own. I mean, both of those teams I was watching yesterday, if they don't have revamped operations just like the Bears, you know, on-field product, you got problems. And so, yeah, the, the, um, the atmosphere was what you would think it would be. Although I will say this. In support of a domed stadium, I would put it at about 90% capacity yesterday. Couldn't wow. believe how many people actually showed up. 
Uh, but but there was no juice, of course. I'm I'm all for the dome stadiums. I just have to find two point two billion dollars laying That's around right. the basement floor. Um, <laughs> Rich, so I, I think that obviously the Texans coming back was the ideal scenario for people in Chicago watching the game. I think at one point in time there might have been uh, a brief discussion as this was unfolding, like, well, do you think Lovey will go for two? Was there any doubt, do you think, in the crowd as you sat there watching that if the Texans scored and they were down 31 to 30, that Lovey would decide to go for two and obviously win a game that most people in his organization would prefer they lose? Yeah, I, I think you start to do the math and the time's running down even before they hit the prayer touchdown on fourth and 20 you're thinking if they were to go down and tie this i mean what we're gonna get overtime in this game no way all right he's gonna go for two you know and and that's where i think if if we want to talk about tanking for a second i don't think ever i don't ever think any nfl coaching staff you know tells their guys to lose i don't think they talk about losing um or intentionally or any of that but i do think it's a it's a systemic decision making process. For example, okay, we're going to go hire an interim head coach who has no experience, and the worst case scenario is we improve we improve our draft status. We're going to go ahead and trade our all pro uh, middle linebacker and a- anybody else who can rush the passer for us. And the worst case scenario is eh, we end up with the number one pick. You know, it it starts to 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 be that other side of the coin, and so you could parse that thinking into micro decisions. Hey, we're going to go for two. What's the worst that could happen? We get sacked. We turn the ball over. We have some kind of incompetent play like we do on every play uh, (laughs) or, you know, we've had on so many plays today. Um, And they happened to to convert. The Colts defense was shambolic on both. It, It was astounding. And in the building when Aikens caught the the ball and then when, when the Texans went for two and got it, you could see every, you know, people in the stadium just start to realize, you know, the, the initial reaction when anyone scores against your team, you know, oh, shoot. And the, then the realization was almost immediate. But hey, the Colts now have the fourth draft <laughs> picking the draft. I mean, th- they were thinking along the same lines of the Bears there, that the, 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 there was a major upside to losing that game. Now the Colts are in a pretty good position to get a quarterback that could potentially reverse the course of their franchise right here. So yeah, no, no, uh, no thought that they would kick and go to OT, although it would just would have continued, right? The absurdity. Who well, maybe the next mistake. Maybe the Colts will be on the phone with uh, Bears general manager Ryan Poles and try to move from four to one to, to, to get uh, the guy they want and have a chance to leapfrog a division rival to do so. I'm curious from the vantage point that you were watching the fourth and 20 play from, what did that look like inside the stadium? Because on TV, you, you watch this kind of helter-skelter play unfold and the ball be thrown up and you're like, oh, well, that's picked off. Uh, it's at least going to be knocked out. Oh, my God, the dude just scored a touchdown. Yeah, so where I was sitting was 29 rows from the end zone, but it was on the other side of the field. So when when the ball is down at the other side, if you ever sat that low for a football game, your depth perception is poor. But also, I was trying to explain to my son that the Colts were about to win. Like they're, they're, It's going to be one play, and they're going to win, and then everybody is going to be very happy. And so you can scream and and he was excited and he's wearing his little Colts shirt. And he said, all right, the Colts are going to win. And I had to just explain to him, no, buddy, they, I can't really explain to you how improbable that was <laughs> and how ridiculous that was. But 
okay, hey, hey, there's one more play. All right, let's say, hey, if they can stop them here, and then they come out for the two-point conversion, and it was the disappointment all over again. All I saw from my vantage <laughs> point was chaos. I mean, the Colts dropped seven on that play. They just rushed with four, and they still managed to collapse the pocket. Yeah. Davis Mills creates time, throws a 46-yard lob off his back foot, and the defense was just worse. I mean, the defense was – was horrible. I thought it was intercepted from the angle I had. I thought the Colts had picked it off and were coming. David is David has given out the name of that uh, Yale graduate Colts defensive back about 150 times this morning, just so people know. <laughs> Thank you. Did people, you notice that, can, Dan? Thanks for listening. I did. They, they could they could uh, start you know make his GoFundMe go viral here. Some thank yous from if Chicago can, on down. Rich, if he catches that ball, it's a much different Monday in Chicago. It's a much different off season. And you know what? He should have caught that. I I I, I love the story look i know he was demar hamlin's college buddy and Mm -hmm. and they go way back he got a pick early in the the game and he went and he made the tribute i'm all for that the guy missed a a pick that was a (laughs) gimme i I, he should have caught it right there it it was an un you can't be a professional and miss that play but but here's the thing just to the same point you guys are making about the bears fortune there he helped out the Colts. The Broncos ended up winning and right. the Colts slid another spot down. Dan, I saw, I believe it's pro football <laughs> focuses, uh, black Monday mock draft. Indeed has the Colts trading up the number one with the bears getting Bryce young. And you, know, you can have all these mock drafts from here until, till, you know, the commissioner puts the bears on the clock, but like, oh, hold on, man. If You must really miss it. If you've got a black Monday mock draft that you're already tapping into, you must really miss the beat. Well, th- I do miss it. So th- there's, there's that, I, that that's a given, but I'm interested to see here what the Colts are going to do at quarterback. And Dan, kind of to your point about what the offseason is. Yeah, we've had offseasons. We had offseasons where you're wondering about Taylor Gabriel, Bobby Massey. Those are great polls, by the way. <laughs> but there's no intrigue like quarterback intrigue in an offseason. And they've got it in Indianapolis. And David, you make a great point as well that they also have it in Houston. And those two quarterbacks potentially drafted second and fourth if they were to stay where they are they're going to play for 10 years against each other. It's a really interesting uh, AFC South storyline, and the Bears are right in the thick of it because they can sell that number one pick to the highest bidder. They're in a nice little spot. So, Rich, we don't want to keep you all day, but I do want to get your thoughts. And, Dan, yours too here. As two guys who have covered the league for a long time, and it is fun to consider where the Bears are, and I do think it's not – we shouldn't dismiss how they got here. Rich makes some good points about the Colts. And was it de facto tanking by hiring Jeff Saturday to coach them the rest of the season after they gave up on Frank Reich? You could look at the Texans. The most surprised person um, in the building, in the organization, might have been their owner when Lovey Smith decided to go for two. In some ways, hiring him to be a one-year Band-Aid was tanking, was losing by design. And we know what the Bears did in terms of trading everybody and, and shedding payroll and tearing it down to build it back up. Does the NFL have an issue they need to address because of all this intentional losing? I can rail about it on the radio. I can be misquoted and whatever. We could all have this debate and argue about it, but I don't think it matters. Does the league care if teams are going into a season or finishing seasons, designing their Sundays to finish with losses? What do you think, Dan? Well, look, like I I thought that there were a lot of 
elements of week 18 Sunday that were just silly. I think the game that we sat through uh, at Soldier Field was silly. I mean, it was, you know, the Bears ran out Nathan Peterman and Tim Boyle to throw every pass of a, a regular season finale and, and, and had nobody on the, in their defensive backfield who had played more than uh, 20 snaps all season. So it was, it was just a very weird day. And, and it, the, just the designed losing is, it's a little strange. I, I, in all sports, I would love to have a different way of going about it and have, you know, some form of, uh, you know, this many teams gets in a lottery, this many teams does this, does that. Or like we do it in the uh, fantasy football consolation bracket, you take the uh, the best of the worst teams, right? And you give them the number one pick. And so, so then that incentivizes some actual uh, success out of a, you know, maybe it's the, the, the bottom eight teams, you take the best and you give them the number one. Yeah, th- there's a lot of intrigue yesterday about who's going to end up with the number one pick or the best possible draft spot, depending on who who your team is. And the league appreciates that. They like the intrigue at the bottom of the standings, but is it the right type? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's off-putting in in several ways. Uh, I want to be careful in, in using the term tanking. I'm kind of joking around because what one person calls tanking, another person could call rebuilding or, sure. you know, just making sure youth gets a run. I mean, the, the, the nature of the sport also plays into it. For example, Justin Fields sitting out yesterday. Um, it's not like baseball where, you know, the, the risk of injury is different. So it, it makes all the sense in the world to sit Justin Fields for a final game. So he doesn't get hurt because this, the likelihood that he yeah. will is so much higher. And so, um, I, I think the NFL does have an issue and you saw baseball has now gone to a lottery for the first time in its history. They just had their first lottery um, a couple weeks ago. I, th- I think it wouldn't surprise me at all if the NFL did it in the future. The other part of this equation that I think is interesting is the expanded playoff field. I believe you have one team in each conference that didn't make the playoffs that's above 500. I mean, so basically all you have to be is 500, yeah. I mean, basically 500 anymore to make the playoffs. Right. Um, all this intrigue yesterday over the seventh team in. Okay. And they get the doors blown off by the, the two seed. <laughs> I mean, the NFL has gone through this over the generations as they've expanded the playoffs from five to six to seven teams. But th- that watering down of the playoff, you know, the first round of the playoffs, plus the uh, caliber or lack thereof on, on the bottom end of the standings i i think there's a lot to think about there well the chicago bears were the first ever number seven seed in nfc playoff history and then they went to new orleans and didn't score a touchdown until the final play of the game uh with uh nickelodeon slime most valuable player mitch trubisky hitting jimmy graham and that was uh, a, a microcosm of what it's like to be the number seven seed in a conference a lot of times david one of the reasons i bring rich on is several times in this little visit here he said great points you and i need to hear that every once in a while is somebody to tell us that we're making great points somebody that has a loose train of thought to to back some of this up so it's great to have that rich i also wanted to share this anecdote before you leave because yesterday was so not serious from the football that we were watching that the press box chicanery was uh to a level that you would have appreciated had you been to the right of me in that, that press box and at one point in the fourth quarter of bears vikings uh, Larry Mayer from ChicagoBears.com was in the back of the press box by himself. I mean, like fully immersed in, in Texans Colts and getting just emotional with every play. And Pat Finley took a picture and he said, you know, I don't know if I can I post this to Twitter or not to mark this very historic moment, right, for the Chicago Bears franchise. How better to mark it than to have Larry, Larry Mayer watching the TVs in the Soldier Field press box? And I just told Pat, I said, this, this photo that you've taken is NSFW because of Larry's arousal in this uh, Texans <laughs> 
Colts game. So, well, you know, in Larry's defense, man, no intrigue like quarterback intrigue and, and draft <laughs> intrigue and offseason. I mean, that you can you can write. I mean, whether you want to write the Bears have the number one pick, you can write from now until the rest of time. The Bears were the worst team in the NFL. Yep. You don't have to. You don't have to waste any words. They're the worst team in the NFL, and man, they've got a lot to build. I mean, you don't just turn that around in one year when you're three and fourteen. You've got a lot of a lot of uh, holes to fill and even the guys that come back starting with the quarterback, they've got to improve in the context of it all. And, and there's just, there's a, there's so much that goes into that. It's not just a draft and free agency. You change the names on the, on the backs of the jerseys and suddenly you're a 10 win team. It just doesn't work like that. They've got a lot to do. That's Rich. a weird, that's a weird thing to say. <laughs> Great point. <laughs> Thanks Rich. Appreciate your time. Keep Thanks, in buddy. touch. And we'll, uh, we'll come back to you because I think the bears and the Colts might be doing some business down the road. Have a great, uh, have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. You got it, guys. Thanks for having me. Be good. Rich, Rich Campbell, the former beat writer for the Chicago Tribune, good friend of the show, uh, and now uh, Hoosier resident. <laughs> so he is our Indianapolis correspondent.